Genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers. One good morning at a time. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell and back, <laughs> back from the dead. I was not dead. How dare you? I sound like shit. I'm sorry. You I'm, sound much better. I'm recovering from the cold from hell. Um, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 163. Which starts with Theoden saying, how did it come to this? And ends with Treebeard turning his back on Mary after saying, don't be hasty. Yeah. Um, I am kind of bummed that I missed out on your favorite moment in the trilogy because I know how much you were looking forward to talking about it. But I'm sure Niall did a good job. I had a lot of fun. Um, and if you guys enjoyed him, I mean, he'll be back. He requested... Um, a very specific moment at the very end of the movie, so we can anticipate him being back at the very end of the movie. But if you enjoyed him, him and his co-host are back with um, Batman at 89. Which started with, uh, on Monday. Yeah, with Batman Returns. So you have a whole new, like, I don't know, check out their podcast. They're cool dudes. Yeah, we went off on some really entertaining tangents, at least for me. I mean, tangents are always entertaining for you. That's true. They really are my brand. <laughs> I'm glad that you found... <laughs> I'm glad that you found, like, uh, a brother in arms as far as tangents go. Just way off <laughs> On over such here. short notice. God, you know, I feel like Theoden, like crusty old Theoden. And then, like, I still don't feel good. But, like, when Gandalf is like, breathe the free air again, my friend. I'm just like, yo, I feel that. I haven't been able to breathe out my nose for the past week. I feel you. <laughs> I know. I'm just very happy I haven't caught whatever it is has been going on. I think it's back to school plague, you know? Mm. I'm pretty sure you gave it to me. <laughs> Maybe. It's possible. You vile creature. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Those filthy college students. So, let's talk about the minute. How has it come to this? I don't know. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Theoden just continues to stare off into space in this empty stone room, which looks like a mess hall. Um, There's just plates and, and flatware all over one of these tables. Yeah, is this new flatware, or has this been sitting here for 500 years? Right, is this a room no one goes in? It's just like, no, that that's the king's thinking room. Is this like the formal dining room that your mom always told you not to go into? Because there's like a china cabinet, and you wanted to climb on the china cabinet. But she was just like... My parents didn't have a formal dining room. Oh. I mean, mine didn't either, but... The china cabinet was in the living room, and it was just, if anyone damages this or anything inside of it, you're all dead. <laughs> but yeah, formal formal dining rooms, I don't really... Maybe. It could be a formal dining room. It's just, he just chose this room. All these people walking around outside. In both directions, so like, what's going on outside this door? They're getting ready for war. He literally was just like... Make ready for war. Yep. They're following his orders. I like that, I mean, even in this snippet, there's um, activity happening outside of this very um, 
remote and isolated moment for Theoden because all the activity that's happening around him that we only see in shadows and like echoes is responsible like he is responsible for all of this motion so I like that I don't know it's kind of like a storm right like mm. he is the, the the still point in the eye of the storm and all of this stuff is happening because he said he's, he told them to and the weight of that responsibility must also be pressing on him too in regards to his monologue. Mm. I don't want to retread ground, so. Yeah, like, this whole, like, this is the, what's the phrase I'm looking like, the, is the phrase I'm looking for, like, the denouement? Like, this is the end of... The denouement. Denouement. Like, this is the end of his really, like, tense, heavy monologue. The how did it come to this is him starting to, like, snap himself out of this moment of, like, reflection. He's very, he's so much in his own head when he recites that poem, mm-hmm. it's like he doesn't even, like, he asks Gambling a question, but then it's like he doesn't even really register that Gambling is there. He well, it's very, on. it's very Shakespearean in that way. Yeah. Where I almost feel like he's asking the question of the audience or the chorus or, you know, whatever, like, the powers that be instead yeah. of, it's almost like Hamlet's monologue, right? Yeah. The, Where he's talking to the skull. To be or not to be, the whole yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's there are people around when he does that and he's asking questions, but he's not necessarily asking questions of them. He's not looking I mean, he's looking for answers, but he doesn't want answers from these people. And there's no answers that those people could give him. Right. Yeah. That that is very that that is not unlike what's happening here. Because this is Theoden like waxing philosophical and depressingly about the state of Rohan. Right. And as its king where his responsibility lies and what he's what he's done. So like him asking the question how did it, how come, did it to come to this is an acknowledgement from Theoden of his responsibility. And his failure. And his failure yeah. in this situation. Yeah. But also like probably going back to when he was a crusty scab on a throne. Yeah. You know, like I should have been there for my people. And now that I'm able to be here for my people, it's too late. Like, this is our last stand. Yeah. Beginning part of this, I talked a little bit about, because Niall brought it up, uh, Denethor. Uh-huh. How Theoden and Denethor have very different responses to hopelessness. Whereas Theoden's just like, well, no, I have to deal with this. Yeah, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And Denethor removes himself from it and lets his people suffer. Yeah. And, you know, gotta respect, gotta respect Theoden here. So much respect for Theoden. So well, much he's sadness. much he's much more of a hands-on leader than Denethor is anyway. Yeah. So this moment with all this action around him that he set into motion, the montage leading up to this with like the orcs marching and all the the little boys getting their weapons. This is all. I'm not sad. I missed that. This is all Theoden's fault. <laughs> right. Fault, quote unquote. This was Theoden's responsibility. So the the how did it come to this has a lot of. A lot of weight to it. It's got a lot of punch the way that this moment ends. Uh-huh. It is very much, especially like just before this with the the orcs marching, then the how did it come to this and then we immediately leave this scene. It is very much a like an in-your-face moment for the audience to be the storm is here. Well, yeah, like the quick, the cut away, you mean? Yeah, because we go from Theoden saying how did it come to this, it slowly zooms out of Theoden. And then we cut to the forest and zoom over the trees. Yeah. 
So we leave Helm's Deep and go somewhere far away. After a line like, how did it come to this? All you can expect as an audience is when you go back to that moment, when you go back to that place, shit's about to hit the fan. Yeah, I agree. So it really, it really preps you for that. And we're going to be away from Helm's Deep. I don't think for that long, 10, 10, 15 minutes maybe, if that, before the battle starts. It's just hard to keep straight exactly how far away moments are in the movie. Um, I think it's less than five minutes. Less than five minutes. This time next week, we'll be right back in Helm's Deep. I believe so. That wouldn't, that, that's not surprising. Well, let me look at my hand. I mean, like, you thought Aragorn was gone for like 20 minutes and he was gone for like three. Yeah, which is just mind boggling to me. <laughs> it's just too quick, too quick movie. At least for a moment like that. Right. When you're trying to sell that your, her- your hero is dead. Right. We've already talked about that. But then we go back to Dern Dingle. You have been waiting all week to say that, haven't you? Yeah. God. Return Dingle. Oh my, is that the... Return Dingle to Dern Dingle. If Return Dingle is not the name of the episode, I'll be damned. And we're at Entmoot officially. Pippin's just like, well, they have to have decided something by now. All the, the end standing in a circle, swaying back and forth in the non-existent breeze. Yeah, dude, I think we... Ho-humming and drumming. I'm pretty sure we go back to Helm's Deep in this week. Like, in a minute. That's crazy. Just immediately flash back to Helm's Deep. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've been sitting with Theoden. Now we gotta catch up with our Warriors 3. Hmm. Why haven't I never talked... Like, why have I never called them that before? I don't know. I mean, I know that's like what Thor's buddies are called, but um, yeah, I'm I think them that. I think officially or like somewhat unofficially, they're called the Three Hunters. That's dumb. Because they're hunting orc. Dumb. That just sounds so much more like macho than this movie treats them. Like, may- like Gimli for sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. They're the. They're I mean, Three Hunters. Aragorn's plenty macho. That's I would hun- I would not describe Legolas as macho. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, Mary is very frustrated with the pace of Entmoot. Yes. Oh no, we just finished saying good morning. But it's nighttime. Pippin's taking a nap. Same. <laughs> so the one of the crazy things about all of this and stuff in the book, except for the sack of Isengard, is that it all happens in one chapter. Really? Yeah, there's just the chapter Treebeard. Oh. Which includes them meeting Treebeard and then Entmoot. What? I guess, yeah. And you meet all these Ents. But that happened like an hour and a half ago. And there's this big long song about the Ent wives in the book. And then the the Ents sing a marching song as they march away to Isengard after they make their decision. That's weird. A bunch of this stuff all happens in one chapter. Huh. They get handed off between like three different Ents. That's weird. There's uh, Bregalad and I literally was just looking at this. Poplar? Poplar sounds right. That is certainly a tree. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Bregalad takes care of Rowan trees. So I assume he's the end referred to as Rowan in the movie. Oh. Why do some have names and others are just their species? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Just these odd decisions. Some of them might be like their species name in a different language of Middle Earth. Oh, that's true. Like that could always be true because like Mary and Pippin are given to a younger Ent because he's hastier than the others and he's more like them at some point. Oh, <laughs> but he's still like compared to them lives his life very slowly. 
He's the youngest of us. He's the hastiest. But you can deal with him. But yeah, like, all this stuff happens in the chapter Treebeard. And then there's the I, the attack on Isengard, chapter I can't remember off the top of my head. And then a chapter name I will never forget, because it taught me two words. Flotsam and Jetsam. Ah. Wait. Seriously? You didn't learn that from The Little Mermaid? No, I just, like, their names are Flotsam and Jetsam, and I just thought they were just names, like, whatever. And because I watched that movie a ton as a kid, but yeah. I, I was just like, oh, that are, those are just their names. But then... But then you, like, never connected it when you saw it in the wild, and you were just like, oh. I don't think I had ever seen that word before in a book, those words in a book, in written form. Oh. Until I read Lord of the Rings. Did you think of the eels? I was just like, Flotsam and Jetsam, what? <laughs> just read through the, the thing, read through the chapter. And like, so what does Flotsam and Jetsam mean? Oh, it's it's trash floating in the water. Right. Doesn't that make so much sense? Yes. And it's because it floats, and some of it floats because it's trash, and some of it was jettisoned. That's the way I've always assumed that those words are, like, where the some of those words are come from, or how those words are related. I don't know. I've never looked it up before. Because, or a, a jetty is also a current of water. A what? A jetty. No, what did you... A current? Current. Current. A current of water. Oh. A jetty is also a current. I was correct about the difference between flotsam and jetsam. Flotsam is debris that's just floating, and jetsam is stuff that was deliberately thrown overboard. Oh, but that's in maritime law. Right, but they, there's a difference between those two words. They, they mean different things. I was right. Jetsam is stuff that is jettisoned. Interesting. That's, that's cool. cool. See, that, that was intuitive to me. I understood what they meant when I learned what the words mean and then learned other words over time. Sometimes English is intuitive, and most of the time it is not. This is a cause for celebration. Right? At the English language not being completely useless. Mary is so upset. Mary is so upset in this This Mary moment. needs to chill. He needs to not be so... Don't be so hasty, Master Mary, Doc. Well, I mean, I would be frustrated, too. I mean, yeah, it's the middle of the night. We've just finished saying good morning. Excuse me? Just go back to sleep, man. <laughs> Pippin's got the right idea. We'll come back here in a few minutes and you'll get... We have decided you are not orcs. Mary has much more of a, um, I think, personal stake in this than Pippin does. I think Pippin has detached himself emotionally from what's going to happen, or at the very least, he doesn't understand the scope of what's about to happen, which I think... Could go either way, considering that um, Mary is supposed to be older than Pippin. Yeah, but Mary got his Mary got his call to action after being knocked out by those Urukai. Right, like he's he's ready to do something about the situation he's found himself in. Right, Pippin isn't there yet. Right, that's for the next movie. Yeah, Mary's Mary's ready to fight for all the free peoples of Middle Earth. Pippin this. has the slowest call to action of the Fellowship, doesn't he? He does absolutely. Because Sam's is fairly early. Sam is before they meet everyone else. So Sam, arguably, you have, like, Sam's call to action is either near the beginning of Fellowship, where he has the, where he dedicates himself to Frodo, like, this is the furthest I've ever been, and they have all that stuff. Uh-huh. Or it's when he goes in the water after Frodo, because Frodo is going to leave him. Oh. It's one of those two moments. I think in the context of the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, or like the first third of their story, I think both of those things are true. Like in the first third of the story, Sam, Sam's call to action is his literal threshold moment. 
But in the overarching narrative of The Lord of the Rings, I think that his specific call to action to help Frodo deliver the ring, not just, like, stick with Frodo Hmm. as, like, an abstract goal. But to contribute to the narrative? Yeah, to contribute to helping Frodo with the specific quest is when he goes into the water. Hmm. That makes sense. Because it's about, like, Sam's personal story and his call to action personally versus, like, a call to action in, like, the hero's journey sense and when he contributes to the goals of the story. Well, I think... Well... I don't know. I think both are true. Like, if you're looking at Sam from a hero's journey perspective, his threshold moment in the cornfield is absolutely, like, I don't know, a step in his journey, literally. But... Right, because that's when he first leaves his comfort zone. Actually, you know, I don't know... I don't necessarily know that it's a call to action, per se, because he is reacting to things being thrown at him. He's not, like deciding to do something about it right he doesn't because i guess you could say that his call to action is being pulled into frodo's living room yeah just being given a quest by an old wizard i mean that's a very classic call to action but i guess up until the point where he chooses to follow frodo into the water is him reacting to everything Mm. whereas that's him being proactive yeah it's just like where the where the hell do you think you're going right it's like, I can't swim, but I'm not letting you out of my sight. Hmm. Whereas, like, Mary, it was being involved in the battle with the Urukai at Amonhen really woke Mary up. But it hasn't done that for Pippin yet. I, I feel like the battle at Amonhen and the Sundering of the Fellowship is Mary's call to action. He's reacting to it, but he's reacting to it in a way where he's going to try to do something about the greater state of Middle-earth. Where he's choosing to do something yeah. instead of just retreat into himself right pippin is still he's still very young you know he's the youngest of the hobbits making him the the youngest member of the fellowship at least socially right he's probably about as old as boromir really if boromir's in like his mid-30s like pippin's close no because a hobbit reaches maturity at what 33 yeah and pippin is frodo so in the in the book versus the movie but Pippin... Because 17 years go by... I always think of Pippin as in his um, mid to early 20s. Mm. Which he might be like in the context of the movie, because we don't have that 17-year gap. No, I mean in the book. Because Pippin is still around in... I don't think Pippin has reached maturity. Social so, Hobbit maturity when they when he leaves. Okay, so if 33 is like Hobbit maturity, what's 33 minus 17? 16? Do you think Pippin was 16 when we meet him in the book? He's definitely older than that. I don't know. He's definitely older than 16 when we meet him in the book. No. And then there's a 17-year gap. Wait, minus 7? Yeah. 6 plus 7? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's definitely older than 16 when we meet him in the book. And then there's a 17-year time jump. I haven't looked up Pippin's age. We could go look up Pippin's age and just deal with this. But he's definitely older than 16 when we meet him in Fellowship of the Ring. And then we have a 17-year time jump. He's in his mid-30s during the course of the story. Are you sure? Because we meet him before the jump, don't we? I think he's mentioned... No, I don't think we do. I think we're confusing the movie and the book. That's possible. It's very hard to untangle them without sitting down and reading through the first couple chapters. He was born in 2990, which makes him 37 or 39. It's either 3017 or 3019. Um, No, dude, he was 11 years old when, when they went to Bilbo's birthday party. Okay. 
And then there's a 17-year time jump. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you're right. Okay, so he was super young. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Pippin was, was the youngest confused. of the four hobbits who set out from the Shire and the only one who had not yet reached his coming of age at 33. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I am confusing, like, he the, was the book and the movie. Oh, he's the same age as I. Yeah. So he's not that much younger than Boromir. Mary is the next youngest at 36. Mm, cool. Yeah. I get confused without actually sitting down with the book in front of yeah, me. Yeah, I knew he was because they wouldn't make it such a big deal out of his age if he was, like, of age. That's fair. But yeah, so Pippin is, is young. Mary is barely an adult. Right. And then they all go do their things. They they individually, you know, every, every hobbit has this moment where they decide to be bigger than they really are, than they were ever meant to be, quote unquote. Like, hobbits are just live in their little shire place and do their thing away from the world. And then these four hobbits go out and all do great things. And I'm thinking about Aragorn's coronation and I'm tearing up because <laughs> it always gets me every time. And like Mary has already decided he's going to do whatever he has to to take down Saruman. Right. It's like you have you've personally harmed m- me and my small best friend. Mostly me. Mostly me. Emotional damage for Pippin. And I won't stand for it anymore. I'm going to knock down your obsidian tower. Yeah, doesn't Mary, if I'm not mistaken, Mary is the one who sees Boromir get shot. Because Pippin gets grabbed first, right? I think so. I'd have to go back and look, but they both see Boromir get shot. Yeah, but I think Mary, like, sees the whole thing. Or Mm. close to the whole thing before he gets grabbed. Because mm. I think Pippin gets grabbed first, and then Mary. Yeah, that make, that that feels right. That feels right. And you know, and he knows Boromir that Boromir died like, defending them. Right, and he knows that those orcs are directly like answer to Saruman. So he's going to make Saruman pay for what those orcs did to his friend. Yeah, his tall friend and his small friend. That's right. He's got their backs. Mary's a good friend, and I mean, I guess we'll find out soon. But it's is it. Is it Pippin that notices that there's all the all the dead trees, all the trees that have been cut down? Is that Mary or Pippin? Um, I don't know. It's in a couple of weeks, so yeah, it's soon. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump ahead. <laughs> I'm not gonna go look. Good for you. Because I can't remember, but it'll be good when we get there. I guess this 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 moment in that mood will continue tomorrow, and then we'll go back to back to Helm's Deep. Yeah. So soon. Yep. Sooner than you were anticipating. This movie is long enough. Like, don't, don't drag it out. I get the movie is like long, but at the same time, when you go away and then jump back like that, uh-huh. I think you are lessening some of the tension you build up from those. Scenes. I disagree. I think that without the jump back so soon, you lose that sense of urgency. Hmm. Because then the pace is so meandering, instead mm. of like we got to get things done. Snap, snap, snap. I guess that depends on what you're going for. Because I think that you can be, you can maintain attention and urgency without a breakneck pace. It depends on the way that it's handled. That moment is such a quiet moment. Do you have an example? Hmm. I'm really bad at this. (laughs) I like coming up with examples of things like that. I'm just, I know I've seen this. What movie have I seen things like this in? Because I know it's a war movie and not like a thriller or anything like that. But that sense of tension and urgency and impending violence 
is to me most similar to like a thriller mm. where the the in order to keep the urgency and tension you need to return to that storyline as soon as possible i guess most movies that do the the long drawn out tension but still like maintaining a sense of urgency are like mystery stories but that's a very different animal right but it, i mean there are ways that you can maintain tension without constantly being on top of the thing and i think that works best from quiet moment to quiet moment yeah i mean the the scene that we just left is not in the theatrical version of the movie okay so where it is placed and how this pacing sort of pans out from it is feels different is than the not? original movie it's not Really? They didn't getting ready for battle is not. I'm pretty sure it isn't. It's it's the scene that we just entered. Oh, that's extended scene, not the scene we just left. Dur- return spot. dingle. Return dingle to darn dingle. <laughs> the don't be hasty, master master Marriott scene is the is the extended scene. So you're changing the pace of the movie around these two scenes. So, in the theatrical, it goes from Theoden's monologue to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. With the chainmail, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and then you're you're still in Helm's Deep, but you're still dragging out the tension a little instead right. of leaving the moment. Like leaving the moment like this. When you leave a moment like this, you should stay away from it for a while. I don't think so because you're in a totally different place. I guess I don't agree with that. I don't think but because we can, we if can... the if the moment is strong enough. When you go away from it, it's still going to be stuck in the the moviegoer's mind. They're all they're going to be thinking about, well, I want to get back there, and that's going to, like, invest them in that thing that they're not seeing. Maybe I, I just think about that in a different way than yeah, other people I do. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think we can talk about that more when we do cut away from that move, though. Mm. We're from the website DuelingGenre.com. Yes, and we are. you can check out a whole bunch of other Movies by Minute podcasts at Dueling Genre, including Jane Silent Bob Minute, Rocky Minute, Cornetto Minute, Harry Potter Minute, First Bueller Minute, Back to the Future Minute. There's a whole bunch of them. So go check those out. They're all a lot of fun. We've been guests on several of them. So go check those out. They're great. We're yeah. all great. Dueling Genre is great. Yeah, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about Edmund and whether or not Mary and Pippin are orcs. We- is that tomorrow? We have decided that you are not orcs. That's later than that. I thought that that already happened. Did it? No, because it's all the ends talking, and that hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah. But we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about it. <laughs> Bye.